0: We did want to bring in Doug Skeen for the Michigan Football Podcast. Five-time Big Ten champion, late 80s, early 90s. He was tough before tough was cool on the (laughs) O-line. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Bill. How you doing? I'm doing good. What is it? You know, you've been inside locker rooms, teams. There's something about Michigan and the confidence they bring and the coaching adjustments and the execution To the last eight second halves. It's it's phenomenal. It's like you watch this team and you're saying to yourself, yeah, you know what? They're going to take care of business in the second half. And that's just media and fans watching it, let alone the players in that locker room or what the coaching staff is doing to adjust and dominate in the second half.
1: Yeah, you know, the most the most plausible explanation one that seems to make the most sense after watching this team pretty closely as this in the second half of the season is I do think that there's absolutely a wearing effect that this offense has on people and when you run this style of offense where you're gap blocking and you're double teaming and you're pounding guys over and over again, there's a physical there's a physical beating that you take on the other end of that thing, Bill, and and then those, those, those running backs that we have, no matter who's carrying that football, are pounding and pounding. And suddenly, suddenly suddenly, the tackles that you were making in the first and second quarter are not as easy. And then you start seeing that the, 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 the gaps widen a little bit and the, and the runs get a little bit longer and the play action opens up and everything else kind of breathes itself to success. And so, you know, there's, there's not any magic going on there. You see, in, in, you know, against Purdue there, Purdue was filling the gaps pressuring the edge of the offense, causing us problems running the football at times in the first half, just like Ohio State did. After, that, after a while, though, it gets tiring. And then an adjustment or two, and all of a sudden, here we go in the second half. It's just, I think at some point here, certainly in these playoffs, Michigan's not going to have the luxury to wait until the second half. They're going to have to find a way to score points earlier if they want to make this thing uh, end the way they want it to.
0: You know, I get what you're saying, Doug, but is it part of Harbaugh's strategy where it's like, hey, uh, we're going to hold the playbook until we need it?
1: Well, I think that's clearly been a part of it, certainly from what we saw against Ohio State and to a degree against Purdue. And I think any coach would like to have the luxury of doing that. I think you're playing a little bit of a risky game there, assuming that you're going to be able to hold on to that playbook as long as you can until you think you can unleash it a little bit. But I don't know that that changes anything that we've seen. Again, you look at what Michigan does. We, we down block the front side of a play and we pull, you know, heavy weights over from the other side and we slam the front side linebacker time and time again, out of different formations and different lead blockers. But the basic schematic design of the football is very, very similar. And so after a while in, in it just gets like, I said, it just gets physically tiring and, and it, and it and I think that the strength and conditioning coach in Michigan has gotten some, some very justified attention here late in the season. This Michigan team um, has shown no weakness physically down the stretch. Yes, we've got injuries. That happens. And guys get bumped up and bruised. But you know, as much as we love to look at the seven, eight-minute drives of smashing people under the ground, that's physically really hard to do as an offensive lineman, Bill. You've got to be in great shape to do it. And so kudos to that guy and the work that he's done with that Michigan offensive line group of getting these dudes uh, this point to this point in the season where they can just beat on people for three and a half hours and they don't seem to tire.
0: And that's a, the that's a Georgia mantra. That's what Alabama defensive units and offensive units have done in the past, and Alabama didn't have that defense this year. But it's one thing in watching Georgia LSU and then watching Michigan Purdue that Michigan is the only team, I think, that is in that same neighborhood this year. I'm not talking about that Georgia defense from last year. That this year, uh, with their O-line play and a healthy uh, defensive line, which would include Morris, you, you, you saw the immediate impact of Morris on that Michigan defensive line in terms of owning it. But they're the only, the only team that I believe that can hang with Georgia.
1: Well, you might be right there, and I hope we get a chance to see if that's going to be true. But I think that's, again, Bill, that's a model that works no matter what your opponent is. You know, I think some of the criticism of the Buckeyes is that they have making, maybe taken a step back in the last couple of years with their offensive defensive line fronts. The greatest Ohio State teams in the last 10 years have all had some superstars on both sides of that offensive line. This year, maybe not so much. I you know the left tackle is a super, super player, he's going to be a high draft pick. But the rest of them as you watch them look kind of average um you look at what Michigan done has done last year since Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines have taken this run here we're dominating at the point of attack right between the you know between the O line and d line that's where that's where the, the sausage gets made and, and things get tiring and it's it's for men up there and if you're not willing to do it for a whole football game, you know there's going to be leaks there's going to be leaks and there's going to be cracks and that's when Michigan takes advantage so yeah, I think I think the matchup is is certainly an interesting one, and hopefully we get to see it. Um, you know, it, it, it concerns me to a degree because of what we saw a year ago, and that was a different classification of defensive front versus our offensive front. So I hope we get the chance to redeem ourselves because what happened last year against Georgia was a train wreck.
0: And if it's not Georgia, and by chance Ohio State pulls the upset, Doug, as a former. Uh, Wolverine as a five-time Big Ten champion, which meant you had to go through Ohio State. Could you just imagine if it's Michigan-Ohio State in Los Angeles for the college football national championship game?
1: Yeah, that that one is an interesting one to think about. And, and part of me is like, you know, like, I think it would kind of stink on one hand because I think it it diminishes what happened in Columbus two weeks ago and how special that was and how historic it was and how long it had been since a Michigan team had gone into Columbus and done something like that. We're talking decades. So if these two teams meet up again here in five, six weeks from now, or whatever that date is, suddenly does that change the feeling that we had for that game in Columbus? Of course, I think it will, depending on the outcome. I'm sure all the Buckeyes want another chance at this thing, and certainly understandably so. Uh, As a football fan, it'll be interesting to watch. I think this is just the standard now, and certainly with the 12-team playoff that's coming, you're going to see rematches of these conference uh, heavyweights over and over again come playoff time. So I guess we should just probably get used to it because it's coming.
0: Well, it was there last year with a rematch of Alabama and Georgia from the SEC championship game, so it's not crazy to think uh, the following year it's uh, Michigan-Ohio State uh, in L.A. And I agree with you that you're a Michigan fan, yeah, you'd love to beat them twice in you know a, a six-week period, and you beat them in the national championship game, you beat them in Columbus, you're a Michigan fan, you're thumping your chest, this is the greatest year ever. But if you would lose that game, and you're a Michigan fan, or a player, or coach, that's a trump card that you may never get another chance to redeem. I know the playoff will be expanding, but the odds are that you would play the Buckeyes again in the national championship game, and the Buckeye Nation and coaches and players could hold on to that over Michigan, that's a tough one to think about.
1: That'd be really tough to think about. And as hard as it is to beat Ohio State because they're so doggone good all the time, to think about having to do it twice within two months is uh, is a task that, that anybody who's being honest would admit would be a tall one for sure, Bill. So I don't know, again... You know, it, it could absolutely happen here. I, I, I don't think Ohio State's going to beat Georgia, but we'll see. They certainly have the players to pull off the upset. I think Georgia's probably going to win that football game by playing the style that they play. and I think that Georgia defensive front's going to give that Ohio State backfield some problems. We'll see how Stroud does with that pressure that I think Georgia's going to bring. Uh, but you never know. And uh, But, yeah. Sadly, you know, that scenario that you talked about, if we end up playing Ohio State and they find a way to beat us, suddenly what happened in Columbus two weeks ago is an afterthought because no one's going to remember it. would be, you know, Ohio State national champions, and that would be be a bummer. Um, But if the roles were reversed and somehow we lost to Ohio State but it had another chance and knocked them off in in the title game, Michigan fans would be super happy that we got to forget about, you know, the loss in the regular season. So it goes both ways. Um it's just it's just the way it is in college football as is, is we now, you know, lurch forward into far more toward the NFL model as college football evolves.
0: Or if you're Ryan Day and Michigan beats you twice within a six week period and you've lost three straight <laughs> times to them, uh, you're calling you're calling you uh, and you're moving out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're calling your realtor and you're calling all your buddies in the NFL to get out of college football together and uh, bounce up to the NFL because, well, like I just said, in, in a couple of years, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference uh, between the NFL model and the and the college model uh, in some ways, for sure.
0: That might be a call to Urban Meyer to come back. <laughs> They're already
1: doing that, aren't they? I heard that on television. I know.
0: For him. Uh, Urban, <laughs> Urban seems really excited about things, and his excitement about Ohio State getting in after Utah waxed USC. I, I, I will say this. You're USC. You dropped the 10th in the final college football playoff rankings. You were penalized for getting blown out in a title game, and Ohio State didn't have to play. I, I, I still I, I'm a, I knew it would be Ohio State at four, and I was surprised by Alabama and Tennessee at five and six, and especially Tennessee behind Alabama when they beat uh, Alabama, but USC uh, getting waxed. I, I guess it's safe to say now if TCU would have got pummeled by K-State in their title game, three and four might have been Ohio State and Alabama.
1: Yeah, it, it very well may have been. I think it just, you know, I think that goes to the the committee and their eyeball tests and whatever filters they have that they're looking for. Uh, I think defense still pays uh, pays dividends and, and is a premium in college football and, and USC certainly can score points although they they were held back against uh, Utah there in that championship game but you got to play defense bill you can't you can't get drummed and you can't get guys running up and all down over your head and, and you can't have your superstar quarterback get destroyed on national television it's a bad look and that's what USC did you know the interesting thing about college football now, uh, with the NIL and very loose rules about transferring. You watch, you watch USC is going to go by themselves as a defense and they will be back.
0: Doug Skeen, five time big 10 champion offensive lineman with the university of Michigan, late eighties, early nineties. Also the co-host of the Michigan football podcast. You can hear weekly and the com. joining us on the Meyer guest line here on the huge show across Michigan. A final thoughts with you in this conversation, Doug, uh, how many linemen currently on Michigan do you think are NFL draftees, potential NFL starters one day? This
1: this year or in, in when they become this eligible?
0: This year, yeah, oh, or, or this, this year. year, not not this uh, year that that are leaving, but off this line when they become draft eligible.
1: Oh, good grief! I think uh, four out of five for sure. I think it's a little early on our young right tackle there, Mr. Barnhart. I like him a lot. But I think right guard, center, left guard, left tackle, all of them draftable. Certainly the best of the five is Olo Batimi at center. He's a first-rounder in my mind. But all those guys, uh, Barnhart included, I think, can all play in the NFL. But right now, I think all of them would be you know, certainly you know one guy near the top of the draft. The rest of them, at least in the middle of the draft, in my mind, those guys are all pretty doggone good, Bill.
0: Doug Skeen was pretty doggone good as a Michigan football player and pretty doggone good every other hole at Tullymore during our (laughs) football summits. Uh, He's joining us on the Meyer Guest Line. Uh, Doug, it's a great time. I can't wait. I know. I can't wait for the game. I can't wait for the spring and our spring football summit at Tullymore. And one thing that I did mention to start this show today, Doug, before I let you go, when you look at Edwards and McCarthy – uh, and coming back, when you look at the depth they've developed, I really think with what they have returning, Michigan has a great chance to be preseason number one in college football when this season has concluded.
1: Yeah, they do. We'll see how this thing finishes out and certainly what the transfer portal happens, You know what happens to Michigan there with their depth in some areas, but they're going to have the names at the feature positions certainly coming into next year. We've got some good young players and established quarterback and as you know bill if you don't have an established quarterback in college football you're in a lot of trouble for the first time in a long long time now for the second year in a row now looking forward into next year michigan has stability at the quarterback position and many other positions and uh, most notably that offensive line up front yeah we're losing a little team center but we have got a good one in Crippen who's been quietly sitting there developing all along so I don't expect much of a drop off in the middle of that offensive line going into next year. So, yeah, we'll be top five for sure. And all you got to do is win and get into this playoff and see what happens. Uh, but at the end of the day, Bill, it's always about that offensive line up front. You got to beat people up and give yourself a chance.
0: Doug Skeen, co host of the Michigan Football Podcast with Chris Ballas at the Wolverine.com. Go check that out. Uh, Doug, we'll talk as we get closer to the TCU matchup.
1: Awesome, Bill. Thanks for having me. Go uh- blue.